What is good, ladies and gentlemen? We're back with another episode here, the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. I'm Wee2D413. You can find me on X slash Twitter, whatever we're calling this thing, at Wee2D413, as well as on TikTok at the same uh, username. Uh, if you want to, you can follow me on Instagram, same username, Wee2D413. Don't really post much on there, but I'm on there. Uh, let's, uh, we got a big show. We got a big show. Well, no, I'm kidding. I'm not singing. We got a big show tonight or today, whenever you're watching it, um, for the show with me moving to one episode a week, we, we got a lot to cover, right? We got a lot to cover. Um, and Let's just dive right on in. Let's uh, start it again by just saying, you know, again, follow me on the social medias. If you're if you're watching on YouTube, hit like, hit subscribe, click the notification button. We appreciate that. Leave us some comments in the comment box. Let us know how you feel about the show. You're listening on Spotify or any other podcast network, Apple Podcast stuff like that. Again, appreciate your support. Leave us a five star review. Let me let me know. Uh, how, how I'm doing, what you like about me uh, in the show. If you don't like it, leave it a one star. Perfectly fine with me. As uh, as the running joke is, just don't leave me a three star. Because I, I, honestly, if you don't like it, I, I'm not asking for you to give me a three star review. If you really don't like it, leave that one star. But we really would ask for five star reviews if you if you do appreciate the uh, and, and like the, the content. Um, uh, other than that, if you want to join the discourse, join the Discord, um, all, and also go and support Notorious Nerdy D and the Casual Wrestling Show and the Casual Wrestling Community um, in our in our sort of attempt uh, to to sort of take back our our place in the wrestling community over the last. I would say five to 10 years, there's been a, a move to where like you have to be part of the IWC to, to, and you can't be casual and still be considered a wrestling fan. If you don't know, like, like casual fans are fans nonetheless. And we're trying to take our place back in, um, in, in the, in the, the, the wrestling fandom. Uh, I have a bonus episode out. If you guys haven't listened about what I, what, my view on the fandom, what makes you casual, I believe it's a spectrum. You can go check that episode out um, on your own free time. Let's get into the show, though, because it's it's pretty long, right? It's I thought it was originally long when I wrote it, and then I went on Discord earlier today. And uh, some more topics were added uh, to it because of some questions that were asked. And with this being the only show during the week now, um, it, so this this may be a pretty long show. I'm going to try to keep it as short as possible. 
but there's some stuff we got to talk about that's happened over the last uh, week or so. Um, so the first thing I want to talk about is this, this, the, the, uh, what's it? Is it SAG-AFTRA? The, the union and for the actors, I think that's what it is. The, the writer strike, right? In Hollywood, the Hollywood strike, I believe is a benefit to WWE in the last month. We've seen John Cena show up. We saw the rock on Friday. Uh, Dave Batista basically stated if Triple H called him and, and he had a, a story for him that made sense, he'd show up. I think, and again, I want these more to come off as questions. Is the writer strikes to lead to WWE's benefit? I believe it is. There's a potentiality that we could see Rock, Cena, and Batista at WrestleMania. These are three mega stars, not just in wrestling, but in pop culture that we could see at the biggest spectacle in the industry uh, in Philadelphia in April. Um, these are big stars that could uh, come back, draw a large crowd for a period of time. They don't have to be placed in the main event. Uh, and, and I mean, I don't know if you guys saw, but in the 24 hours after Rock's return, social media for that return had over 90 million views across social media. Insane amount of views for a singular se uh, segment of of SmackDown. So when we talk about this, like I, I want to book out to WrestleMania because I also think though, this rider strike could be a curse because I, I do believe it's a benefit, but I also believe there is a, there is a very strong potential that this blessing that they have right now could be a curse. If this rider strike ends, say in November, um, and we're on this push, and WWE is sort of committed to a push till WrestleMania. Do these three superstars, assuming Batista does come back, do these three people just disappear? Um, as I assume they will, as they go back into 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 Hollywood. And so, uh, WWE has to make it painfully clear pretty soon. That hey, if this strike ends, we have to pull. If these guys pull out, like we can't commit to them being in major storylines. And so I want to sort of book fantasy wise how this could play out at WrestleMania. Um, the Rock is super easy. It's Roman Reigns. Now you don't have to do a lot to get this story around because this has been a story that for the last year two years has been the match people have been dreaming for however everyone sort of is coming into this notion that this is if they fight it would be for the title i if this is the route they're going i don't have a, a problem saying they could potentially take the belt off roman I don't think they will, but there's a potentiality. Listen to how this goes, right? The The rumor is Roman's first match back will be um, Crown Jewel, which we should have all kind of figured out. Um, that, that That's pretty pretty obvious if you ask me. 
Um, and that's going to be against AJ Styles, as the rumor is showing us. That makes a lot of sense. J- uh, Jimmy and Styles are going to sort of hold the feud off in October uh, at, uh, what's it, Fastlane. And then the next month, when we get the crown jewel, Roman will be back and will face AJ Styles um, at crown jewel. We then move the Survivor Series, which as much as they're trying to depict this story of the bloodline, or excuse me, not the bloodline, of, of Judgment Day versus Cody, Sammy, and them, that may be the Survivor Series match. I'm not quite officially certain where they'd throw Roman um, and who they'd feed to Roman at Survivor Series. This could be an LA Knight situation where he gets an opportunity at the title. I just, I just don't see them doing it this early um, because Roman, Roman should be. It should be Judgment Day versus the Bloodline, and and honestly, it should be. One of the bloodline members in Judgment Day, one of the bloodline, one of the Usos in Judgment Day, one of the the other Uso in the bloodline. So you could have something along the lines of Damian, Finn, Dom, and uh, Jay Uso versus Roman, Solo, Jimmy, and a fourth partner there's there's multiple other fatu member family members and hawaii family members that you could come around and, and grab um and it could even be you know t- if it's a traditional sort of match like that um then where it's four on four typically it's five on five uh, we could we could sort of put together you know judgment day is easy just add mcdonough in it and that's how you get the five the judgment or excuse me the bloodline is a little bit harder uh to to get to five members but you get the point that i'm sort of showing right um and that could be your survivor series feud i don't necessarily think roman will defend that survivor series um and then december is um, essentially just the holiday tour. Uh, they don't really do much after Thanksgiving. Um, it's it's going to be pretty boring in the month of December. And then we get into January, where at the end of January, we get Royal Rumble. And at Royal Rumble, imagine at Royal Rumble, this is where we get LA Knight. Um, and LA Knight versus Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble and The Rock shows up during this match to distract Roman Reigns, and LA Knight wins the WWE Universal Undisputed Universal Championship. LA Knight is the top guy to end Royal Rumble. Um, this makes a lot more sense if you're going to have a heel like Gunther win, which I believe is going to be the oper- the, the thing that they do, is have Gunther win the Royal Rumble. He could go after LA Knight, or he could go after you know if there's a heel in the World Heavyweight Championship. You get the point. But but I have a I have a theory in this that uh, I think Gunther is going to be the top guy in the company, and my theory on the title picture will actually 
um, talk about later in the show um, with um, the, one of the community questions. Uh, we'll, we'll get to in a minute. Um, th there's going to be something that, that I bring up around the title picture. And I'll talk about why I dislike or, or my theory with WWE's title picture when we get to that point. Um, so the Rock versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania is going to be the match. But now we have a clear way to get out of it being for the title. And this could just be Roman versus Rock for who's the top dog in the in the family and it could ultimately be a loser can't come back match or something some sort of stipulation that 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 is more than just the title because ultimately that match should be more than just the title at this point roman should roman's last match in wwe should be against the rock i think both of them could walk out sort of say goodbye, go over, I'm assuming Hollywood will be open by, by April of next year. And, 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 and that is the, the path Roman Reigns, I believe, will take once he drops the title. Um, and in this, he could drop the title by doing what he's been doing in the last three years and putting over talent, that being LA Knight. That, that's how I would book the rock versus Roman reigns that way it's that match is not for the title, but then you can have LA Knight, probably your biggest merch seller at the moment going into your biggest show as champion. All right. So what about John Cena? Well, I think John Cena's pretty simple as well because you debut or return another guy to the company and CM Punk at survivor series, John Cena either is in a match in, in some uh, some way, shape, or fashion, and CM Punk shows up to attack him. John Cena versus CM Punk was a a, a feud of, of the ages and, and that, that sort of era. It was the feud of that era. And running it one more time, I, I think it's the safest way to use John Cena because – if the strike were to end, again, with The Rock, if the strike were to end, you really don't need The Rock till Royal Rumble anyway. So it's safe just to put Rock in that situation to where he can mark on his schedule, hey, from January to April, I can't really do much. right? But where John Cena, again, put him in a safe position where it doesn't have to be the main event, but John Cena and CM Punk could main event night one. Or night, it wouldn't be main event night two, but it could main event night one. And it would be a big time match to relive the feud. And it doesn't really alter any of the current storylines. Um, and either person could win. Um, what I imagine what you could do with this is have CM Punk build into that match and have him build a faction around CM Punk, sort of in, not really seen on screen that much. And then it debuts at the Royal Rumble, or excuse me, at WrestleMania, where they attack uh, Cena, and then we, we we have Punk, not really in a wrestling role, but in a sort of mentor role, building up this faction in like NXT or newer members to the main main roster. Um, and so, if I'm if I'm booking this, if I'm WWE, it's Rock versus Roman, it's Cena versus 
uh, CM Punk. And then that leaves Batista, who I personally would not really want in the company. Um, it's not that I don't like him. It's, there's just not much for him to do in terms of, like, where would we fit him in? Um, the best I could think of in the last week while I was sort of thinking on this topic, and it really it's been about, you know, since last since last Friday, uh, the best that I could really come up with is have him come in. The Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal means absolutely nothing, but they have it in a year. This could be a tournament, or, or, a, or not a tournament, but like a Battle Royal type match that Batista could, could win, have like a short month or two run where where he he sort of boasts about coming back with very little practice and he beats the whole the whole everyone in that match and then he could put over someone and then he could be gone after backlash. That's the best I could come up with with Batista because the guys that I really were thinking about were like Triple H, but we've already seen a Batista uh, Triple H feud the last time Batista was here, you know, the, give me what I want, Hunter, you know, that, that stuff. Uh, and, and that was just a, I'm be completely honest. That was a very awful feud. Um, and plus triple H can't wrestle anymore. Cause he, what he has the pacemaker now. Um, and, and so we don't want to kill triple H in the, at WrestleMania. Um, even though I'm, I'm sure he would be fine breathing his last in Philadelphia to put on a show for the fans, but we don't, we don't need to do that. Uh, and then I'm thinking someone like Randy Orton could be a fun uh, feud to put him in, but assuming Randy isn't back, the next best thing is just to throw him in the Andre, the giant battle Royal, have him show up on the show every now and then. And, and, and then just have a fun little run with him there. I can't really think of any major feud to put him into at this uh, exact moment um, with Batista. And honestly, I don't necessarily think you need Batista if you bring back Rock, Cena, and Punk at WrestleMania. All right. So what do you guys think? Is the Rider Strike a benefit? And what would you do if with all of those three heading into WrestleMania? Um, so the next thing we're going to talk about is Becky Lynch last Tuesday went into NXT and won the NXT Women's Championship. So the question that I want to ask and sort of try to get a, some sort of uh, interaction going on, is did Becky Lynch winning bury Tiffany Stratton? Because the IWC, or, or portions of it, have been going on for the last week about, oh, Becky just went in and sort of buried the whole division. She should have stepped in. She just sort of stepped over everyone. She, and, and, and no, no, no. But listen, listen. Y'all need to understand how the business works. This is a business decision. First off, this gets eyes on NXT, which is highly needed. This is the first NXT in, what, years that had at, at any point in time during the show had a million viewers, as Becky Lynch's segment did. This did not bury Tiffany Stratton. This was one of Tiffany Stratton's best matches, and it was entertaining. Tiffany Stratton looked good. Um, the problem with the IWC and the problem with wrestling fans in general is that we throw around these sort of industry words like Barry, and we don't truly understand the words themselves or what it, what it means. Losing a match does not mean you're buried. Losing a match does not mean you're buried. Um, Tiffany Stratton looked better 
losing the title. And then guess what happens? Now you have Becky Lynch as your champion. And then if let's say Tiffany wins it again, she looks stronger because she just beat a Grand Slam champion, right? Um, it, the next person to beat Becky Lynch gets that push of beating what could be quite honestly, you know, there's Charlotte Flair and there, there's arguments. I believe she's going to go down. Charlotte's going to go down as the best woman to ever do this. But behind her right now in this era is Becky Lynch. And you, could, I, could, um, I could say probably over a, the last two to three, four years, Becky Lynch is probably the most consistent. Right, because Charlotte Flair has been part time for for a while, right? She'll show up, and then she'll do you know her WrestleMania and her SummerSlam and her Survivor Series, and then she'll disappear in the the middle sort of like spring months, like after WrestleMania, she's gone for two to three months, right? Outside of that, the other, and she's just she's the best, she's the goat in the women's division for a lot of reasons. But behind her, you're, we're talking most consistent performer to ever be in this business in the women's division, it is Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch is one of the most consistent people ever. She never puts on a bad match. Her promos can be a little iffy, but she's she comes in week in and week out and just puts on somewhat of an entertaining segment, right? She does her very best to entertain the crowd. And so when the next whoever beats her for the championship, when that happens, it benefits the division as a whole. Especially if she's going to run these open challenges on a, on Monday Night Raw, where you could input NXT talent or lower used main event or main roster talent uh, that aren't being used, a Tegan Knox and all of that stuff, Tegan, Candice LeRae. Uh, Dakota Kai, I can imagine opening one of the answering one of these open. Like if you're going to do this, like think of the type of matches we can get that puts eyes on NXT, and then someone else can win that title, go down to NXT, right? And we'll talk about who I think that should be um, in in the next little discussion. Um, but I guess I guess my question is, does this bury? Tiffany Stratton, do you guys think, or do you agree with me that this just leads to a a the next person to win that title to get the big rub from Becky Lynch? That that can happen, right? There's going to be that Becky Lynch rub where I, you beat Becky Lynch, now you're automatically another um, you're elevated to the next level of of the women's division. Um, so the next thing that we're going to go to, we got a lot to talk about. So we're going to speed through some of these. Um, the next thing is the big rumor that came out. So this always happens. This happens a lot with me doing this podcast on Wednesday is I'll sit down Tuesday night to record it. It comes out Wednesday and then I'm sitting there. Nothing happens Tuesday night. No new news. I, I print out the whole, um, uh, I write out the, the show, how we're going to do this, uh, and, and what I'm going to uh, talk about, and then nothing happens Tuesday night uh, of, of importance. Wednesday, show comes out, y'all listening to it, nothing happens news-wise. And then Thursday, something always happens on a Thursday. Wrestling news always breaks on a Thursday. And last Thursday, probably what could be the most important or – 
the biggest news story uh, in the last couple of weeks is the well, rumors and now sort of seem to be official that that Jade Cargill um, is officially going to WWE. Now, this doesn't surprise me, um, but I think this is a, this is a bad situation for AEW. As much as AEW fans want to sort of promote this idea that it's not a big deal and that they're going to be okay, this is a big deal because Jade Cargill is possibly the biggest waste of talent AEW has, has had on their roster yet. I get it. She's pretty green and, and, and new to the game, but she just has that look, man. She has that look of superstar written all over her. And, and, and Tony Khan completely failed to utilize what he had, right? Because, because when Tony Khan started AEW, what he had was a bunch of people who made their names in other promotions, whether it's Jericho, whether it's the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega who made their name in New Japan or on the indie scene. You, you have a bunch of people who made their name, right? And, and, and what you had in Jade Cargill was a fresh talent that you could promote as this is ours. This is our creation, right? And instead of doing that, you hooked your women's division on the path of whatever Britt Baker wanted. Now, I like Britt Baker. I really do. But she's the fee- the women's division version of the Young Bucks. She's the mean girl in the locker room. Whatever, whatever, if, if something happens that doesn't, you know, doesn't appease her, Tony Khan sort of just gives her this free, free realm, right? And so... Over the last, what, four years, five years that they've been a company, who's been the feature superstar on that division? Britt Baker, uh, Sheeta, nothing wrong with Sheeta, very good talent. You've had, what, uh, Tony Stormy recently. Uh, you've had uh, Hader. But Hader, I believe, only really got over because of her connection with Britt Baker. Um, but there's, you know, Statlander never really got the push. Leg injuries really hurt her on that, but she never really got that main event push, right? Soraya is sort of the new little toy that Tony Khan gets to use for a few months before people get tired of her. And and and, and Tony Khan has sort of hitched this wagon and and made his bed when when he decided to sort of take the side of Britt Baker. And all of the time and over this period of time. You had your TBS champion be Jade, and she's going like 40, 50, and oh, and nothing's happening. I've been saying for at least two years, when is she going to fight? When is Jade going to fight someone other than random superstar on AEW Dark? Right? She was fed so many squatch matches, and eventually a squatch match just becomes predictable and people stop caring. Right. And, and, and I've been I asked AEW fans for the longest time, when is Jade going to poke her nose in the, the sort of big four in that women's division of Brit, Tony Storm, uh, Jamie Hayter? Right. She should have been facing people like that. But instead, she got Willow Nightingale and nothing against Willow. She's a fantastic performer. But she's not Britt Baker. Right, but but they did everything possible to keep Jade out of that division, 
And I'm sorry, she's your biggest draw on that division. She just has that look. She, right, she has potential connections. She was the whole reason Bow Wow was even mentioned on the program. Like, I can imagine WWE bringing her in and getting Cardi B to be, like, a part of her entourage in her entrance. Or they do a match like they did similar with Snooki, where, right, and you can have Jade and Cardi tag team. Like, there's so many different things that you could do with Jade Cargill, and Tony Khan just didn't do it. This is the pop, right? So it's a negative for AEW. It's a big negative for AEW, right? And, and, and AEW fans sort of try to change the, the story every time you bring it up. Like, you just let t- CM Punk, your biggest draw on the men's roster locker room go, and you just let Jade Cargill, who I believe was your biggest potential draw in the women's locker room, you let her go. So you just let two big draws go, and they cha- AEW fans sort of try to change the story real quick to, oh, look, Dolph Ziggler's coming to AEW when his contract. Who cares? Like, And here's the thing. I'm the biggest Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler is my favorite wrestler of all time. I'm going to be straight up honest with you. Dolph Ziggler is my favorite wrestler of all time. Guess what? I haven't cared. Me, his biggest well, – he's my favorite wrestler, right? I haven't cared about Dolph Ziggler in over a year. Right, because I understood his role in the company was he was going to do his comedy and and tour because that's where he could perform every night, and he was going to make a, a some a, some money doing that, and WWE was going to use him in like random battle royals. Right, I understood his role in the company, but Dolph Ziggler's Dolph Ziggler doesn't right. If you put into a trade negotiation. Of hey, Tony Khan's offering Jade Cargill, and in return, you're gonna get Dolph Ziggler. Tony Khan loses that trade every single time. You could put that into a trade evaluator 10 times, and 10 out of 10 times that trade would be Tony Khan, you lose. It, it, that's just the, the way that it is. What does Dolph Ziggler give you? Jade Cargill is a star, but why is she making this move? Why is this a positive for Jade? Why is she making this move? Because her, her her ultimate aspiration is a lot bigger than the, the industry of professional wrestling. She wants to go to Hollywood. And, and I've been saying for the longest time, there's a specific company in this business who has connections to Hollywood, and that is WWE. What Nick Khan offers to WWE is connections to Hollywood. We've seen Liv Morgan go on the Chucky TV show that's on USA. Uh, Seth Rollins, I, before the strike, was in talks of being in uh, the the was it one of the Marvel movies. Um, th- there's just a connection to Hollywood, which I believe is a huge flex for WWE to use to try to get some of these people who maybe want to aspire to be better than just a pro wrestler. There's nothing wrong if your aspiration is just to be pro wrestler. But if you have higher aspirations, if you want to go and make it in Hollywood, and this is the road you're on, WWE is still the top of the ladder. It's still the top rung in the industry when it comes to doing things outside of the industry. Right? And so 
this leads to the question, how would I use Jade Cargill? And this was actually something that I had already planned to talk about. And then DJ Wavy D made it one of his community questions as well. Essentially, how would you use Jade? Um, and uh, there's several different paths, right? The, the, the sort of rumor is she's going to re report this week to the Performance Center and she's going to debut on the main roster. That's a way you could do it. Um, I'm assuming she'll be a single star. They won't pair her with anyone. I, I'm not a big fan of just having her make that jump because as I, she's still what she's two years into her wrestling career. I'm not sold on her ability to get over on the main roster quite yet. I think, I think we need to strike when it's hot. Becky Lynch has been doing these open challenges. The way I look at it is Jade Cargill needs a little bit of work still. She's not a perfect uh, vessel yet to to get to convince a crowd that she's right. Especially when you when you have the fans who watch WWE, you have a lot of the fan base who watch WWE. They're way more cr uh, critical of WWE's product than they are and or will ever be of AEW's product. So. They wouldn't say anything about Jade on AEW, but she's going to come in and 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 the first mistake she makes, they're going to criticize the hell out of it, right? And so I wouldn't put her in a situation where she's, you know, I wouldn't do Charlotte versus Jade right away, right? So how would we how would we jump in? How would we get to a Jade Cargill debut? What would we do? And for me, it's pretty simple. Uh, we get to. NXT No Mercy at the end of this month. It's about a week and a half away. You you get there, and Becky Lynch doesn't have an opponent. And she's been doing these open challenges, right? Have her do one more on Raw. Have her do them on NXT the next few weeks. And she wins all these open challenges. She doesn't have a scheduled match. And so she comes out and says, you know what? I'm issuing another open challenge here at NXT No Mercy in Bakersfield, California. And that is where Jade Cargill debuts. You have Jade debut against Becky Lynch in an open challenge at No Mercy. Jade wins the title. You could then have Jade Cargill as your NXT champion, as a heel champion who's never going to defend it unless it's on her schedule, and she could go in, and and I would reform the baddies, right? Show Tony Khan how he should have done the baddies, because the baddies could have been such a over gimmick. And 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 you have people in NXT. I think you could put in 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 there. Um, I'm thinking Jakar Jackson and and Lash Legend right off. And I get it; they're in metaphor, but metaphor is a stupid ass gimmick anyway. You could easily split that up. Um, and, and end metaphor, um, especially at No Mercy, when uh, you can have, what's his name, um, Noam Dar lose the Heritage Cup, and then you could split up and end metaphor, and, and, and it's pretty simple that way, right? So, Jakar Jackson, Lash Legend, uh, as the baddies, you could you could add more as it goes. My favorite thing, and I wish WWE would do this, is it's grow factions. Factions should grow, right? It shouldn't be the same eight members, or eight's a lot, but it shouldn't be the same four members for three, four years. 
add members to a faction, add members to the team, let it be that team atmosphere. That's that's I, I don't watch a lot of New Japan, but that's something that I enjoy about New Japan when I did watch them was it seemed like every major person on the roster was part of one of the, the factions and and it sort of gave you like a team representative right of like you represented something greater than yourself and so imagine like wwe just full of factions and you had the bloodline and you had judgment day and you had the baddies and you had you know chase you and you had all these different things and you could pick a team to be a part of and and right and, and that that would be fun um and so yeah, that, that's that's essentially how I would use her. Let her go on this dominant streak as NXT champion. She could show up at, on Raw. She could show up on it on SmackDown. Um, and ultimately, the ultimate goal is to get her in two matches: Jade Cargill versus Charlotte, and Jade Cargill versus um, Bianca Belair. Those are the two matches I really want to see come out of her run in WWE. How we get there, not exactly certain. But I definitely would debut her in NXT and have her get about four or five months in the WWE system because it is completely different than the AEW system. And have her get used to it. Have her have her, you know, do her thing. And and, and I think she could be very successful if the booking is correct. Um so yeah, that's how I'd use Jade Carr Gill. The next thing we're gonna talk about. Um, as as previously mentioned um, and should be known by now, Endeavor um, is now in charge of WWE and a merger group called TKO. I don't know what the acronym stands for. I sort of joked around with myself the other day and said, oh, they made this very obvious. Yes, it means technical knockout in, in UFC, but wouldn't it be funny if TKO means Tony Khan out, uh, that, that's sort of my little joke that, that I made. I, I highly doubt that, that that's what it was, but it would be super hilarious if that, because that, that that's a business model. If it means Tony Khan out, that's a business model. That means you, you have, right. We're going to get to that in a minute. What would I do if I was Endeavor? We'll get to that in our main thing uh, segment, but Endeavor's now in charge over the weekend or Friday last week. Um, over 100 employees in the corporate level got fired, and everyone is up in arms about it. And, and we're going to talk about it, but we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. Because, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the world of business where this happens a lot with mergers. Um, it's, it's just what happens, right? I don't want to say it happens for every merger, but for a lot of them, there are going to be people who are not needed in the company anymore and do get laid off. Um, and honestly, this shouldn't surprise anyone. There's reports of like low morale in the corporate office. Y'all, this deal was made in April and you knew this was coming once it got approved by the, uh, was it the FEC or the FCC that uh, whatever government agency that is that has to approve mergers. Y'all knew this was coming. You didn't know the date, but come on, y'all. Y'all knew this was coming. Y'all really thought that all of your friends were going to make it. Um, I just, I get Right. No one we, we don't I don't ever want to see anyone lose their job. That's the last thing that I want. But y'all y'all gotta stop out here. Like we have people in the IWC sort of like who've never run a business or ever seen the inside workings of a business. Um 
who who they just don't understand what it goes into operating a business and that's what this was this was simply business and it while it's sad to see people lose their job especially in this economy in this job market or unless you're trying to flip burgers it's hard to find a job right there, there, there very few people are actually hiring um and the criteria and the sort of way that they hire now it's just hard to get because of the um just the way the economy is people are running skeleton crews if they can i mean even fast food restaurants are difficult to hire now because because why you can't you have to run a certain percentage of labor and with higher wages come less opportunities for jobs right and so but let's understand what a lot of these firings were. This wasn't just, oh, you're fired because we don't need you. It's we already have someone here, right? It's not of we just don't like you. It's not. It, these were redundancy uh, firings. Redundancy in business is when um, there. So, for example, the head of marketing for WWE was let go, right? The idea of that, that it, that's a redundancy firing because Endeavor already had a head of marketing. You don't need two of them, right? You don't need two heads of marketing. So you get rid of one. And one got let go, right? And and I, and I feel bad for her. The, the WWE head of marketing who got let go did a fantastic job marketing. But I'm sure, and I'm sure, you know, with, with her resume that she has, she could find in a, in a perfect economy, a job pretty quickly. Now, I don't know if I'm sure she probably knew this was coming. I know the, the old CFO, uh, Frank Riddick, I think was his name. He made like $5 million on the merger, took the money and, and dipped. He didn't even have to get fired. He either quit or resigned or probably was predetermined that he was going to leave. And I'm sure he probably had something lined up um, already um plus he he just got five million dollars if he's smart he could live off of that for for a year or so <laughs> um but these are these are redundancy firing it's just it's it's just simple business right but there's also this idea and this is what i really want to talk about in this there's this rumor this news going around that there's sort of this idea in, in the corporate office that it had stephanie mcmahon been the ceo and not nick khan that these firings wouldn't have happened. And I really have to just, just speak against this idea. Look, Stephanie McMahon is great. She's a wonderful person. But let's be honest. Let's be completely honest here. Do you really think that Stephanie McMahon was going to walk up and say, no, 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 Endeavor, I know, you, I know you're the boss now, but you're not firing any of my employees. Stephanie, they're not your employees anymore. They're fired. Like Stephanie's gonna have a zero pull in this situation. Like, like what the hell do you think was gonna happen if the if Stephanie McMahon was there? That she was just gonna tell Ari Emanuel, hey, guess what? I know you're the owner, but you can't fire nobody that used to work for me. That's that, that's not how this works. That's not how this works at all. You're no longer the boss. You don't get to make these decisions. You have people above you now. Like Stephanie would have zero pull. In this in in this deal, like this just shows me that I, I don't know. It's it's just crazy to think that Stephanie McMahon would, right? I'm sure Nick Khan had a say in some things, 
And I'm sure Stephanie, if she was CEO, would have a say in something. But you're not just going to straight up say, oh, yeah, you can't fire nobody. That's not that, that, that that's not how this is going to work. Like, what did you think was going to happen? Endeavor was definitely not going to uh, double their payroll just because they didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings and, and your friends work with you. Like, uh, it, it, that's business. There were people when I, when I, in my work career, like in my history of working, there were jobs that I worked in where people got fired who, like, I had to fire one of my best, best employees when I worked manager at, a, at one of these restaurants, had to get rid of one of the best employees because he broke policy. Right. And, and we were friends. Like we were friends and we, we just like, he was one of my favorite people to work with. Did he think I wanted to let him go? Absolutely not. But when business happens and you and things happen, that business doesn't care about your friendships. It just doesn't, right? If you've ever been fired before, you can honestly, honestly tell yourself: did 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 the person when they fired you? Did they care about your feelings? Did they care about the feelings or? the friendships of the people that work with no I, trust me i've been fired before the, the the conversation didn't say oh hey we were gonna let you go but because so and so was your it, it's gonna really miss you if we let you go no that's not how the conversation went the paper was hand down said hey we're firing you please sign and, and then please leave the premises that's that's just the decision that gets made it's business right all right, so we'll move now to the community questions here. Um, and then uh, we got a few more segments after that. Uh, so DJ Wavy D did the first two, and then Kara uh, Danvers with the last one here. So uh, topic one, community question one. And DJ Wavy D said, this will push me to my limit and make me go to the depth of my thinking capacity. I love how he words these things. Uh, uh, but but on, on this show, I want you to give three things that AEW does better than WWE and three things WWE does better than AEW. So let's start with what does WWE do better than AEW? And there are a lot of things I could put here. If I was being biased, like storyline, but but he wanted me to think deeper. So I thought deeper. So the first thing that I thought of when it came to something that WWE does better was like recapping new watchers. So, for example, I'm going to give you an example from what happened at AEW. Um, well, I'm pretty sure it was the last episode of Collision. There was a segment going on with Keith Lee. He was being interviewed and like you heard behind the camera, then go like oh, take twenty two, and they like clap their hands, right? And 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 while we were shitting on it, while the sort of fans who aren't real big fans of AEW were shitting on it, I had all these AEW diehards telling me, "Oh, you had to if you watched uh, Being the Elite, they used to do this all the time, and this was just a joke." Right, my response to that was like, so now I have to watch a YouTube show to figure out what you're telling me on your TV show. You're really forcing your viewers to do too much. 
WWE doesn't do that. Like, there's no inside jokes that you have to know about for the most part, right? If you've never watched an episode of WWE anything, whether it's Raw, SmackDown, or, or NXT, they will recap you every single episode what you've missed to get to that point. W AEW doesn't do that. WWE does that, and I think it helps the new the new viewers, right? If I were to go watch AEW right now, I haven't watched in several months. If I were to go watch an AEW episode, um, I wouldn't understand a lot of what was going on, and the show does very little to sort of recap how we got there. And with some of these inside jokes, right? that get told uh, from being the elite and all these other shows like or like AEW used to like years ago when they ran AEW dark on YouTube, they would like tell a story on dark and then take it to dynamite like two weeks later. And I was supposed to watch dark to understand. Like, and so they made you do too much. WWE doesn't do that. Right. They recap everything to make sure you understand what's going on. So I think they do that a lot better than AEW. Number two is just the women's division in general. Um, there's more talent. I think more people are used. It's more utilized. Tony Khan obviously does not care about his women's division. If he did, he would listen to their concerns. Going as far back as the big swole incident, what was that, 2020, 2021, um, where she was trying to pitch the idea of having a performance center, um, and, and so that way these ladies could train together, things like that. And Tony Khan just didn't want to do that. Um, and then number three is just the overall production value of the show itself. Um, there's hardly any ever mistakes. It's just better production. Um, and uh, it doesn't feel like an indie show. It doesn't feel like, like there's just so much that goes on in an AEW show. Or I feel that... The, the production just seems very low budget for how much money that they have. Maybe that's just me, but I think WWE's production of their shows is just so much better than, than uh, what AEW has done. So what, now, now you're making me, and my response to this when he, when he sent it to me was, you're really going to have me give Sniff, oh, Cocaine Tony, uh, Tony Montana, uh, you, you're really going to make me uh, give him his flowers as a different type of flower that he'd be sniffing. Uh, but uh, what are three things AEW does better than WWE? And I'm not biased. This, this isn't really all that hard for me because I've openly admitted some of these things. Um, and so, like, uh, going back to what WWE did, like I said, I could list 100 things WWE does better than AEW. One of the main things I thought of, what I thought was too easy, was like the main event picture is set in WWE and you know where it's at, whereas AEW really isn't, right? On the contrary, though, on the uh, on the flip side, what I the number one thing I think AEW does better than WWE is the way the mid-card is built and booked. The mid-card in AEW is booked a thousand times better than the mid-card of WWE. There is a mid-card. There is a lot of focus on on growing the mid-card, but whereas almost to the point where I think Tony Khan focuses too much on the mid-card and doesn't put a lot of focus on the main attractions like MJF, there, there's story there, but I feel like he would rather build behind the trios title and the international title and all these other things. And 
I feel like he gives very little time and consideration to your the main storyline um, and, and the big hitters in AEW. Right, and WWE does – I feel WWE does a very poor job building that mid-card. And that's why a lot of the shows, when the bloodline isn't there or when Judgment Day isn't at their best and they have an off night, right, the shows can feel kind of bland because outside of those stories that are – solidified stories very good stories but outside of your main event picture you don't have much built and and it's sort of like we're going to try this and if it doesn't work we'll, we'll try something else and you just can't build a show that way right um the number two thing that i think that AEW does better is a better title setup and what i mean by that is they have a lot of titles and I think WWE needs to take this method because, because in the way that their mid card is set up, you have a lot of championships to fight for. Whereas WWE, and this was when I what I mentioned earlier, I was going to come back and talk about this, um, about my theory. Uh, when I was talking about Gunther, Gunther has been the top champion on Raw. The way that they've booked the World Heavyweight Championship has been the workhorse title, which is traditionally what the Intercontinental Championship would be. But the way they've booked it is, I don't even think, like I said when they debuted the World Heavyweight title, that it was a secondary title, secondary to Roman Reigns. I'm also going to say this. It's actually a tertiary title. It's it's third place in line. Like the title structure for, for WWE, those Roman Reigns at the top, Underneath that, in second place, is the IC title with Gunther having it, right? The secondary title is Gunther. He's the top champion on Raw right now. And then you have the World Heavyweight Championship in third place, right? And which makes no real sense. And then outside of that, nothing else is really being built with, with the tag title or the U.S. title, right? AEW's title setup is so much better. You have the world champion with MJF, but it's not the like he's not defending every week. And you, he, but you're building some sort of storyline with him, right? And and he's he's pretty entertaining, right? But then you have filler in between that with the FTW. I think that's what it is, right? The FTW title, the uh, international title, the TNT title, the TBS title. Uh, the tag championships. I, they're just there. There's so much in the mid card that you you sort of forget that the main title may not be on the show that week, and I think that's the way TV should should work, right? I don't think we need to see the world champion every single week. Um, and so their their title setup is better, and WWE could simply fix this by revamping the title setup um and they could do this the, uh, quite honestly you just need to add like one women's and one men's mid-card title to raw and smackdown nxt i think works perfectly the way it is but if you just add like a cruiserweight title to raw i've said this before if you had the cruiserweight championship on raw and put all the cruiserweights on the raw roster you can make something unique for raw if you like cruiserweight wrestling you could watch the cruiserweight division on monday night raw exclusively right and then do another title you know the idea of like a tko the tko championship which could be like the tv title 
on SmackDown and just have it be defended every single week. And you could you don't really necessarily need storyline. You just have very good matches. And I think that's what AEW, not every title, especially if you have like a TV title or um, a title that gets defended all the time, it doesn't necessarily need storyline. It just needs very good matches, right? Um, and then you could build the story around like the, the main event. Like not everything needs to be story mode. It's it's important to have very good storylines, but like a, the, the, have the TKO title be the TV title for SmackDown, and and then have it be defended. Right, you first off with it being on SmackDown, you'll have like your main event picture with like Roman Reigns right now. Right, you could do like Oscar or who's your champion? EO's the champion, so you can have a segment with with EO right, and and the women's championship. There really isn't a tag division there because Judgment Day sort of wanders around as their tag champion, right? So what do you then do? Well, you have this TKO championship, and you could start the show each week with the TKO championship being defended, and then you can have somewhere in the middle of the show, uh, whether it's like a fatal four-way, or I don't know if you guys watched when I did uh, Queen City Pro Wrestling. I always had... The half of my show was around centered around the television championship. There was a TV championship match, and then there was another match that determined the next competitor for the TV champion, TV championship championship, right? And so you could do this with the TKO title in WWE, where like you start the show with it being defended, and either the next match or some segment within the next hour or so can be this number one contenders match and you can, you can change up the number one contenders and you can have story on who becomes in this match and how you can do an eight man or a six man or a ladder match or one-on-one. There's so many different ways and you can just create these fun matches to determine, you know, this TKO title. I same thing with like the cruiserweights. I, I think you could just have a, have fun on the show for 30 to 45 minutes per show. I think I think that that'd be really fun for them to do. And then the last thing I think AEW does better than WWE is I call it pandering to the crowd, but it's it's listening to the fan base. So the big example that I have is Lord, I don't remember when this was, but there was a pay-per-view and it was Swerve in their glory. It was uh Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee versus the acclaim. And Swerve and Keith Lee retained the titles. And the crowd booed the fuck out of them. Right? And to what was Tony Khan's re- sort of answer? Okay, well, we'll, just, we'll wait till Wednesday. We'll give the acclaim the titles on Wednesday. He, he listened to the fans. Now, I'm not, I necessarily am not the biggest fan of this in and of itself. But Tony Khan does a lot better pandering to what the crowd wants, which fits AEW a lot better, right? I think if Triple H did this a little bit more and listened to the crowd rather than just what they wanted to do, I think maybe people would enjoy the show more. But but with the, there's a line. You can't do everything the fans want, right? Because the fans wanted Kofi Mania, and the title run was just straight-up shit. Let's just be completely honest, right? So... The fans really don't know what they want. 
but yeah, so the, so hopefully that, that that's a good enough answer. I also want to throw that back to the community. Three things WWE does better than AEW. And three things AEW does better than WWE. All right, DJ Wavy D. Second topic is which character, excuse me, which character would you choose to build WWE 2K24 showcase mode around? Um, and what aspects of their history would you want to highlight similar to Cena and Mysterio? So showcase mode two years ago was Mysterio. This, this 23 was Cena. Who would you put in showcase mode? Um, I thought of originally three people. The first one being Triple H. And you could start as far back as when he was actually Hunter Hearst Helmsley, the sort of New England uh, pretty boy. I don't really know how you would describe him. He was like the elitist uh, and uh, sort of, you know, he has sort of like the British accent. You could start there. He wasn't really booked very well there. It's crazy. If you actually understood the, the story of Triple H, the Triple H character, it's a very interesting story. I mean, you can go down to, you know, all the way through DX, Evolution, uh, and then, I don't know, we might want to end it um, at his last WrestleMania match. I don't know how you end with Triple H. That's, y'all can figure that one out for me, right? Um, the second person that I thought of was Kurt Angle. And then this was just because I just got done watching his documentary. One of the Peacock documentaries are one of some of the greatest documentaries I've ever, I've, I've ever seen. The Cody Rhodes one was great. This Kurt Angle one was great. I, I loved it. I loved it. Um, and, and so, I mean, quite honestly, you could have this start quite honestly with him at the Olympics, you could play with as Kurt Angle doing amateur wrestling uh, and have him, you know, win the Olympic medal. Uh, you could tell the story of him sort of meeting with uh, with the WWE and, and, and all of that. Uh, and then just going through uh, till his Hall of Fame, right? You know, you leave the WWE, you you become a big star elsewhere uh, in another promotion, which we now know of as, as TNA, right? But I mean, they'll probably use like BCW, what, what the the promotion they make in the game, right? And yeah, I mean, I think Kurt Angle would be pretty interesting to run. And then the last one I thought of was Randy Orton. Um, you know, the sort of prodigy third generation wrestler who goes through. Uh, with evolution and then with legacy and then, you know, the, his own nine run where he was like the legend killer, which might be the most fan, the best version and the most menacing version of Randy Orton. And then this sort of run with Bray Wyatt, that would be very interesting and very fun to see his, his feud with Bray Wyatt. And then this run with riddle, uh, you know, you can, you can highlight his feud with Edge, his feud with Cena. Um, and so I would probably lean towards Randy Orton, to be honest with you. But those were three people that I thought of when I saw the question. The last fan topic, fan suggestion from the community on Discord was from Kara. And she asked the following question. 
Uh, do you think that with the TKO merger, um, are there going to be any crossovers? If you were Vince, what idea would you do to draw MMA fans to the wrestling product? So I want to start with that premise. I don't think we could ever get true MMA fans who are just MMA fans because you have people who are fans of MMA and fans of WWE and they understand that they're two separate entities, two separate styles. One's entertainment, one is sport. And But if you have like the, tr the true MMA fans will never look at wrestling the way we want them to. right? The true MMA only fans who see wrestling as just fake fighting and, and as, as uh, right, a bunch of losers uh, and their fans are a bunch of like you're never going to get them to watch WWE. So I, I think we need to stop trying to get that crowd. Um, I, I also don't think that there's going to be any crossover. I don't. Dana White, I still believe, will want to keep UFC and WWE separated. Um, if, if there were crossovers, I'll answer this. I'm thinking of someone like John Jones thinking of someone like Conor McGregor, um, even, uh, I don't know his last name, but the dude who just lost the title was Israel something. Uh, he, he looks like he's a good fit. Uh, uh, is it Adesana, Israel Adesana, Sonia? I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, he looks like someone who, you know, has that sort of look that, that we could see, and he's sort of, sort of more uh, at the top of his of MMA at the moment. Uh, personally, I'm I'm a big fan of Colby Covington. He's too controversial though to bring into uh, WWE. I highly doubt they'll use him. Uh, on the women's side, I haven't watched MMA in forever, um, so I don't necessarily know. I know. Uh, is, is Juliana, Juliana Pena still fighting? I see that this is how little I know about UFC right now. Um, yeah, Juliana Pena, uh, I'd like to see in, um, in if they can, if they can, um, trying to think of what the other girl's name that I really like. Macy Barber, that's who it is. Macy Barber, I would like to see. She's not as known, but I don't necessarily know if there's going to be um, a lot of crossover. I just, I just, I don't see it happening. I think they want them to keep them simple. I are separated, excuse me. But there are rumors, and these rumors are that TKO is going to run simultaneous events. Meaning on WWE Premier Live Event Weekend, there's also going to be a UFC pay-per-view the next day. So it would be like Saturday, WWE Premier Live Event, and then the next day, UFC pay-per-view. And they'll run from the same arena or the same city. And and you'll just run this the you'll run the city for the weekend. That's where I think that that's what I think they do. I don't necessarily – I think we may see some WWE guys show up at the UFC pay-per-views and maybe the other way around as well. I know Daniel Cormier is sort of working with WWE as well. Uh, so maybe he can institute some sort of crossover. I personally don't want to see it because of how how vastly, how vastly different the two industries are. 
I've always said, keep what's real, real, and don't try to bring reality to what is, what is imaginative, right? WWE wrestling in and of itself, it's, it's in its own universe. It's, I know people hate the F word, but, but fake is not a bad way to describe wrestling. It's, it's imagination. It's story. It's storytelling. And so you, you keep the stories away from what's real. And, and I don't think we need a crossover between the two. It would be cool just for some name power. But I, I, I think they've tried that experiment with Ronda Rousey, and it didn't work. Can we, can we honestly say that the Ronda Rousey experiment worked? I don't think it did. I, I honestly don't think it did. Um, and so with that, uh, that that'll end uh, community questions. So we'll move on to what we're going to call our main thing. And this is if I were, was, if I was Endeavor, and it basically is what would be the first few things that I would do? And I have three things. There's three things that if I was Ari Emanuel, owner of Endeavor, these would be the first three things. And it's not necessarily in this order, but three things that I would do if I was Ari Emanuel owner of Endeavor, and I was in charge now of, of WWE. What would be the first three things, right? And again, there's necessarily no order to this, but these were just the three things, right? Um, so first off, we have to de declare to the, w to the business, to the industry of professional wrestling, WWE means war. Now, you don't want to go scorched earth, but you want to do controlled burn, Right. And this means you, you burn out the competition, but you don't kill them. You keep them alive just enough to be irrelevant and offer some sort of competition. You do that so that people don't say you have a monopoly, but also competition makes better product. Um, but, the, but, but the first thing you do is you get a little petty. You get a little petty. How do you burn out and start to make your, your competition sweat? Well, you take away a big part of their fan base. Now, how do you do this? I don't know if y'all know this. Ari Emanuel is the owner of Endeavor. He has a brother with uh, connections to the city of Chicago. His name's Rahm Emanuel. If you live in Chicago, you know that name. If you live in the state of Illinois, you know that name. And uh, if you're politically active, you know that name. Rahm Emanuel used to be the mayor of Chicago from like 2013 to 2019. Um, he, I, I think he was also some, like a senator of, of Illinois as well previously before that. Um, but he, he has connections and political pull in the city of Chicago. So Ari, you're going to use that. How do you do it? You go to the stadiums and arenas that hold a large audience crowd right the blackhawks arena um was that united center united center uh all all the arenas that can hold like above six thousand people and you say here's the deal right and people are going to call you petty and that's exactly what this is it but this is business you mean war this is what you do you say hey if you want to continue to have wwe in the city of chicago where we will guarantee sold out arenas at the united center you don't allow AEW to run in Chicago no more. <laughs> and you show them you mean fucking war. 
Maybe I'm just petty. Maybe like, and this this doesn't mean AEW dies because they go to other places where they sell well. But you burn them out of their big audience with the Chicago. They do like 18 fucking shows there a year, right? That that is their audience is Chicago. And they simple, hey WWE, UFC, we're never coming back to Chicago if you let AEW run here again. And then you sign the deal with the arena. And if AEW runs there, then you stop showing up to the damn city, right? And and that's what that's what you do. You run them out of that city. You run Chicago now. And you show them you mean war. It's a spite move. Absolutely. Kill the number one market for your competition. Again, this isn't enough to kill them because they could go overseas. In fact, an AEW fan said, okay, well, if you do that, they'll just take the product to Europe. Okay, but so you're going to justify losing the American audience for the European audience. Right? You, you see how crazy that sentiment is, right? Um, the second thing, and again, not necessarily in order, but Endeavor has to spend however much it takes to get three major free agents within the next year. MJF, Ricky Starks, Wardlow. To do this, though, you have to trim the fat of the roster. So you're going to have to cut 20% of the roster, right? AJ Styles, as much as we like him, he, he's gone, right? Uh, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, as much as we like him, they're gone, right? You got to cut the people you're not using so that you can get some of the big meat that are gonna that's going to be out there with MJF, Ricky Stark, and Wardlow, which are potential superstars in the making, right? Ziggler can go because we're going to bring in Starks, Wardlow, and MJF. But, right, it, it, it's simple like that. And then the last thing I would do is move all the product to some streaming network, whether it's all on Peacock. I don't prefer that. I prefer Amazon Prime because I think they would allow for more Fan, uh, excuse me, not family friendly, but more adult friendly programming. Move the the rating to PG fourteen. Um, streaming is going to be the future of sports, as the NFL, eventually the NBA, the NHL, and all of them move to streaming networks. It's going to be the future of television in and of itself. Cable won't exist, so you move everything to a streaming service like Amazon Prime, um, and then you you run your shows. Uh, on on Amazon Prime, and you're and that that's uh, you either do it with Prime. I prefer Prime because if you go to Disney or ESPN, they're going to make it sort of family friendly, um, and and I really just want the more adult friendly PG fourteen type programming. I the more you want, I want a little bit more edge in my wrestling. Uh, not that WWE is bad, but I think if you could cross a few more lines, uh, th- that's always good. So that's what I would do if I was Endeavor. I'm going to throw the question to you. What are, what, what are you doing if you're Endeavor now that you're in charge of WWE? All right, we got three more segments, and then I promise I'll, I'll, I'll leave you all alone for the week. Uh, uh, I'm sure you love my company. Yeah, I love doing this. Uh, all right, we're going to do a new segment called React to That. The react to that is essentially going to be I find a podcast or a clip or a uh, a TikTok that's wrestling related or, or even like a news article or something or something Tony Khan says. 
uh, and we, we, we read it or play the video, and then I, I give my reaction to it. So uh, I think Kara put this in the Discord, and so I'm going to do this first. So without further ado, if you're listening, you're going to hear it if you're listening on podcast networks, but there is a video to it as well. Um, so without further ado, let's let's react to that. Now, I thought that that moment at WrestleMania 39 was Cody's moment. You guys explain to me, not his time. Let's get Cody bigger. And you know what? Since that day, up until this past Friday afternoon when Rock made those comments, I have been consistently eating crow to the point, guys, that I'm starting to like the taste of crow because I eat it every day. But after those comments on Friday, I think completely different. Why? Why in God's name would The Rock make the comments that he did on Pat McAfee's show? The match between The Rock and Roman didn't happen at WrestleMania 39. For whatever reason, it didn't happen. But why mention that? Why say yeah. that? Because that just kills what we did see at WrestleMania 39. Now the WWE, excuse me, Rock, but it's not all about you, Mr. Movie Star. They actually built a story that the fans are invested in. And they actually have somebody that they love in Cody Rhodes. I'm sorry, guys. You may think differently. I think The Rock spread open his cheeks and shit all over it. Why? Because he said that the match was supposed to be his at WrestleMania 39. And who knows? Maybe it could happen at WrestleMania 40. I'm sorry, Rock. But from my eyes, The Rock was completely disrespectful to the business of the WWE and completely disrespectful to Cody Rhodes. I'm saying it now. You were disrespectful to the business of the WWE by what you said on Pat McAfee's show, and you're disrespectful to Cody that I'm a fan of and millions of people are fans of. The business didn't happen. Get over it. Move on. Oh, boy. If you didn't see the video if you're listening to this on podcast go to the youtube and watch that the very end of that clip the last like 30 seconds and take a look at bubble ray's face that's how i look being like just completely stunned that this man i'm pretty sure that's dave lagreca i think that's his name but this man just cried for two minutes because The Rock went on Pac McAfee's show and said, hey, guys, you know, we had a handshake deal for me and Roman to be a he, – he didn't disrespect Cody in any way. Let's answer his question. Why would he go and say that? Because part, some of us actually want to know, hey, was this actually supposed to happen or were they just jerking our dicks for the past year saying that it was? Like, part of us – like, I wanted to know. Like, I would raise your hand. Raise your hand if you would would have rather saw Roman versus Cody Rhodes if there was a possibility that, that The Rock was going to be in Hollywood. Excuse me, but I would rather Roman versus Rock. That's a better story. That's a better match. I'm sorry, Cody Rhodes just doesn't fit that buck to me. But maybe, just maybe, this is this is what I'm talking about. These people are so emotional. They don't think straight. Maybe Rock says that. Let's think logically. 
to start to throw the T's in. Because before he said that, no one even no one even figured out that Pat McAfee and The Rock were going to be on SmackDown that night. Now, I was putting two and two together as I was watching the Pat McAfee show. Friday, uh, my lunch break starts at 12, so I go and watch the first 30 minutes of the show. And then when I saw that The Rock was going to be there, and I saw that Pat McAfee was in Boulder, Colorado, then I remembered that WWE was in Denver. I made a joke to my to me and my friends that, ha, I get, oh, that'd be funny if Pat McAfee showed up. I didn't think The Rock would show up, but I was like, oh, it'd be funny if they showed up. And guess what? They showed up, right? But maybe he's putting in the tease. Maybe he's teasing the fans a little bit to get them a little bit of interest, to pique that, that interest, to tune back into the show. Hey, you know that match that you wanted last year? There's still a possibility that could happen in six months. And you, start to, and you start to get people interested again. Maybe that's why he's doing it, Mr. LaGreca. Maybe it's not all about Cody Rhodes. Maybe it's not all about what you think is disrespectful. So some of these people in the IWC, they're just too emotional. They don't think logically. They think out of pure emotion. And, yeah, that, that, again, just go and take a look at Bubble Ray's face. For the last like 30 seconds, when he really started to raise his voice, Bubba's like jaw was on the ground. And that's the first time I saw that clip. That's how I looked the entire time. Like, first off, why are we even complaining about this? Like, y'all really ain't got nothing else to complain about? Right? All right. Uh, let me know what y'all think of that clip. And uh, send clips if you find some because it's. Uh, and we'll, 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 let me know if you like that, that type of segment. Uh, it could be any wrestling podcast. It could be anything the IWC does. It could be a wrestling segment, a wrestling match, in the right. And we'll we'll react to it, make it shorter than like two minutes, three minutes. I don't need like a full twenty five minute match. Definitely won't react to that. But you know, a podcast clip, something that you guys see, send those in. Let me know you want me to use them, and we'll put them on there. All right. So let's move to guess that storyline. Kara got it right last time. It was Daniel Bryan. Uh, so let's move on. This week's storyline is a WWE feud that pits a rebellious persona against a top star's establishment image. It's marked by intense clashes and high-stake matches resonating with fans due to its portrayal of loyalty, rebellion, and the blurred lines between good and bad in wrestling. Very short, very vague description that chat GDP gave me on this feud. I'll read it again. It's a feud that pits a rebellious persona against a top star's establishment image marked by intense clashes on high-stake matches resonating with fans due to its portrayal of loyalty, rebellion, and the blurred lines between good and bad in wrestling. All right, let's, uh, let's move on to guess that champion. Last week was Dolph Ziggler. B-Master got it right uh, in the Discord uh, when he, he guessed it correctly. Let's see if y'all can guess this week's champion correctly. So this week's champion is a two-time United States champion. He's a one-time WWE Hardcore Champion. He's a one-time WWE European Champion. 
He is a nine-time Intercontinental Champion, a two-time Unified Tag Team Champion, a three-time World Tag Team Champion, a two-time WCW World Heavyweight Champion, a one-time WWE Champion, and a three-time World Heavyweight Champion. I'm only going to read, and I don't know if I made this plain and simple when I uh, wrote uh, when I read the rules last week when we started this, uh, but it's only going to be their WWE Championship. Ships. And I'll include WCW because WWE technically owns that that brand now, right? So go back, listen to all, all of his champions. Uh, tell me who you think it is. And uh, you can put your guess. Uh, we'll take comments in the YouTube as well if y'all want to leave them. Um, but, yeah. And then uh, thank you all for listening. I know this has been a little bit of a longer episode. Um uh, I don't like making these long episodes like this, but I think these are going to be a little bit longer now with it being basically two shows in one. So uh, with that, thank you all for listening and sitting through this whole thing. Let me know what you think. Again, leave a review if you're listening on podcast networks. Uh, Like, share, subscribe. If you listen on YouTube, leave a comment. Let us know what you think so the algorithm can... uh, know you like us um, and promote us. And other than that, thank you all for watching and listening. We'll see you next Wednesday here on the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. Brother, I'm going on a wild Hulk Hogan. If I like it's a moment, I'll make sure it's an explosion. Because lately I've been